On fossil downs and cane grass station in a million homes across the nation, they're tuning in Australia. Good morning, Mark. Oh, good morning, Maka. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. We're in Perth. My daughter and I, we're heading down to the surf. Say good to Maka, Esther. Good day, Maka. Hi, Esther. I wish I was coming surfing with you. That's good. <laughs> well, you've got an audience all over Australia, I imagine, of our surfers on the Sunday morning hunting down the surf and switching on as we head down or head back. You know, I was down in, in the country for 13 years and we moved back up to Perth, but it really is nice to, to connect and hear all the stories. I spoke to you once years ago and we talked about sweet potatoes at that occasion. Oh, is that you? Yeah. Oh, I've never forgotten it. I actually I had a look at the legislation of it. So that was about bringing sweet potato, the world's best sweet potato, down from Papua. And I did a follow-up, and there's all sort of fire security issues with that, of course. You can't just go and grab a bag of potatoes and bring them across the border. And I actually spoke to some food scientists. They said, oh, make sure you just call it a superfood, and then everyone jumps on board and thinks it's wonderful, you know. Geologists, faceter, surveyors and speleologists are ringing from the rock on a Sunday morning. Yeah, macker in the morning turns my week around. He picks me up when I feel down. I wait all week for macker on a Sunday morning. A wedge tail soars than a carbo range. The weather's harsh, not much change. And all around there's drought, the red marauder. In Cooktown, Narragin and Breezer, from Deloraine to Ebenezer, they're dialing up Australia on a Sunday morning. I start my week with Macca on a Sunday morning. Good morning and welcome to the program. It's lovely to be with you in this... Uh, it's really a year, isn't it? It's been a year to uh, to forget, really. Floods, terrible floods at the start of the year and drought all year and now bushfires um, and uh, we're facing a long, hot summer, I think. But um, there you go. We'll get through it. We help one another. As one of our callers earlier this morning said, we help one another. That's what we do in Australia. And uh, But I was just, I, was, I wonder, because we've had bushfires for so long and drought for so long in Australia, like these are things are nothing new. And Johnny Wharton rang a couple of weeks ago from and said, look, we've got water up here in Richmond. We've got the Great Artesian Basin. We're quite happy to give water to whoever needs it especially for drinking water. It's good drinking water. Why don't we have Why don't we have a fleet of tankers, rail tankers or whatever, that just sit by? It's a bit like the thing with the, the helicopters and, the, and the, the planes. Why is that? Why don't we just have that, you know, and say, oh, yes, we can send a train up to Richmond and we can get a, a whole train load of water and we can, anyone that's on the rail line can get water seems to me obvious and my grandfather used to say burn or be burned as far as bushfires go burn or be burned and it's, you can understand what it means uh, but there you go uh, the cup I hope you uh, had a win on the cup but not everybody will have a win on the cup I don't think many people have a win on the cup I'm a bit over the Melbourne Cup and I'm a bit over racing in general you know um, people seem who are running racing seem to think that it's uh, it's all about overseas things and we're part of the big world if we involve everyone overseas and it's all about big money. Well, for most of us, it's not. Most of us like the fact that um, an Australian horse won, which is just quite unusual. Go and listen to what Bart Cummings used to say about the Melbourne Cup and overseas horses. It's nice to have an overseas horse, but when you've got 20 out of 24 
horses from overseas that come to take the money and go home. And anyway, it's uh, it's uh, it's Australia, kids. I thought your audience says uh, Fred Lodwick would like to know that the famous Australian artist Robert Lovett died last month. Robert was the sculptor of the limited edition $5 coin for the Bicentennial and he was the official artist on the Snowy Mountain Scheme. His exhibition at the Opera House for the film Man from Snowy River was a sellout. There are over 40 Robert John Lovett paintings in overseas embassies and he travelled all over the world painting fabulous watercolours. An artist all his life, Robert painted every day until he was admitted to hospital. Rest in peace, Robert. Thanks, Fred. Fred Lodwick uh, sent that. Michael Fox says, When did you last see a Christmas beetle? A case moth hanging off a house. A case moth, you know. A click beetle or a green grocer cicada. When did you last have insects splattered all over your windscreen when driving in the country? I've lived on the south coast of New South Wales for 60 years. I've observed insects all that time and I'm now seriously alarmed at what I see or don't see. The main cause, according to the international and local research, could be habitat destruction, that is, land clearing for agriculture or housing estates and agricultural insecticides. I'm not a qualified environmental scientist, says Sir Michael. I'm actually a pathologist scientist, but my lifelong amateur study of insects probably qualifies me to comment on this critical topic. Thanks, Michael. Michael's a Jeringong. Yeah, and what about splinter pullers? When's the last time you saw a splinter puller? Remember splinter pullers? And stick insects. Maybe I'm just not looking hard enough, but no Christmas beetles. Last week I sent a call out to a Lloyd who was recovering after hospital and he said he was going to take his Valiant down to um, a, a show and shine in Bunbury. Well, he sent me a picture of his, his um, I assume it's a, it's a Pacer, a Valiant Pacer. This is our Valiant that we took to the local show. Oh, wow. He said, I'll call you... To, chat about my cancer journey and recovery cheers i'm not sure what what uh this is a this is a convertible it just looks so schmick aren't they lovely those cars had style didn't they all cars now look you drive behind cars they all look like wheelie bins on wheels no style no style wonder why no quarter vents no quarter vents <laughs> our number this morning is 1300 700 triple two i'd love to talk to you wherever you are uh good day this is macca yeah, Maka. It's uh, Michael. It's uh, minus two. Yeah. He's gone. He's gone already. That didn't take long, did it, for the phone call? To... <laughs> are you are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Um, I'm having trouble. Morning, you... Maka. Yeah, it's Michael, is it? Yes, it is. And where are you, the Michael? Line, is it? Yeah, well, it's. If... I'm in Samara, in the middle of uh, Russia. Uh huh. What are you doing there? I'm just about to pick up a plane and head over to London. Um, I just wanted to share that this week is the 100th anniversary of uh, the first flight taking off from London uh, that made it all the way to Australia, uh, the Vickers Vinny flight uh, flown by Captain Ross Smith. Oh, wow. And, uh, I mean, I think it's an amazing point in history that, uh, you know, when you look at where we've come in 100 years... Um, Australian Geographic actually wrote a fantastic article about it this month, and uh, uh, Qantas, I mean, amazing only that this week Qantas is going to fly uh, one of their new dreamliners on a test flight from London to Sydney non-stop. So, 
So, you know, here we are doing it non-stop. And uh, back then it took them 28 days. Uh, they stopped in about 24 or 25 cities. But it was, uh, you know, people talk about, you know, historians say that that, that event then in 1919 was, you know, Australia's moon It was such a big deal. Michael, and why you? Why did you go to Russia, Michael? Oh, I'm. I'm. Uh, I've just uh, had a. I'm, I'm on my way to London. I've running a little bit late, but I, I've, uh, I'm in my plane and I'm heading to London to retrace uh, this flight. I'm going to uh, visit, uh, lead from the as close as I can to the airfield uh, or the field where they left wow. uh, in 1919. And, I go to all the same cities on the way. Uh, look at how have those cities changed in the last hundred years. I try to find the old landing sites where they visited, and um, I'm aiming to land in Darwin on the 10th of December at 3:45 p.m. Exactly 100 years after they landed. <laughs> so my, you're Michael Smith, aren't you? And you? You're the bloke in the seaplane, the little seaplane. Yes, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And you're flying it around. Oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, you should see this plane. It's as big. It's like a, it's like a postage stamp. It's, uh, it's very, it's very small. Um, so, and you're you've you've flown it to Russia. Uh, well, the good news is uh, I've actually managed to get a slightly bigger plane. So uh, the plane's been built in Russia because um, I, I know you were horrified by that plane and never getting it, but. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's another seaplane, but this one's got two engines and a couple more seats, so it's uh, a little bit safer for these long trips. <laughs> and why did you want to do this, Michael? Because you think it's uh, it is a significant flight, isn't it? Look, I think, yeah. I mean, I just you know, the more I read about it, I mean, I've always known I've known about the story for years, but as the year was coming around, and uh, you know, some articles were being written, a couple of books have been written. There's been a an hour-long documentary made that's going to be on SBS shortly. You know, as, as more and more information started coming out, I just thought, wow, if I'm going to be in uh, Europe around this time, um, you know, someone someone has to retrace this trip and, and get people talking about it. So, it, uh, you know, I'm really excited about it. And uh, I think, yeah, it was an amazing achievement by these guys. And one of the things that gets you really kind of quirky about it was when they were leaving London, someone handed them a bag of mail and said, if you make it to Darwin, pop this in the post. And because they did, that became the first airmail to ever come to Australia. So even if the post has been celebrating, they've issued uh, commemorative stamps, and uh, the guys had uh, 364 letters with them in the plane uh, that they delivered to Darwin. So I've been uh, collecting mail, and I've got 364 commemorative letters to bring back to Australia as well. So... It, uh, and, and for people in Darwin, it's actually quite a big deal. It's, uh, you know, that uh, when they landed in Darwin, it was oh, the first international flight to ever come to Australia. Uh-huh. And then Darwin was, Darwin was the gateway to the rest of the world for, you know, for many decades. Yeah, I'll say. So you went to, to Russia especially to get the plane? Yes. And, yeah, and I've, I've been here a couple of weeks now because... Um, it's uh, been a bit of snow and a bit of bad weather, but um, I'm, I'm about to head off and uh, get my uh, get over to London, and then uh, turn around after a couple of days and head back to Australia. Uh, Michael, I think it's a, a wonderful thing you do. Um, you say you got to fly to England, and then you yeah, you're going to try and land as closely as possible where Kingsford Smith landed. 
Uh, it's, it's, it's actually Ross Smith. Yeah, Ross so Smith. It's, um, yeah, Ross Smith was in 1919 and Kingston Smith was, um, yeah, quite a few years later. But, uh, yeah, I can get to most of them. Uh, you know, they went down, you can imagine it was down through France and Italy, down to you know, Cairo, across the Middle East, um, down through Asia. But, you know, they landed. I mean, part of what's changed in 100 years is, um, you know, planes are more reliable now, and with GPS we know where we're going. But, but back then they didn't have to wait weeks or months to get paperwork permission to enter countries. They, you know, there were just no rules around that uh, flying at that stage. So they literally would, they'd fly into a country and they'd, they'd kind of circle around, look for a field and land. Whereas now, uh, you know, they landed in Iraq, Iran, and Syria, and uh, I, I wasn't able to get permission to land there and. Look, Probably I shouldn't anyway. Um, but uh, it, it's, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll, other than those three countries, I'll be able to go everywhere they went. There you go. Well, good luck, Michael. You keep in so touch with us, okay, and, and ring us. Yeah, sure. I'll, um, I'll be in some interesting places. I'll, um, I'll give you a buzz. And, and no, what's what, weather report for Russia, oh, yeah. quickly? Uh, minus two. Uh, it stops snowing, and uh, we've got three or four clear days ahead. Well, good luck, Michael. Good oh, luck, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and great to talk to you. Thanks for your call. Thanks, Macca. G'day, this is Macca. Uh, good morning, Macca. It's Paul from Iluca regarding the bridge opening. Iluca, ladies and gentlemen, is on the north coast of New South Wales. It's, uh, the, dress, it's the dress circle of the lower Clarence. <laughs> Well, thank you for telling us that. Now, and and there's a new bridge because uh, I've seen that. I was on my way back from uh, mm. Brisbane. There's a new bridge over over the Clarence. Is that right? At, at that's uh, right, Iluka, it, and it's yeah, called the right. it's called the Harwood Bridge. Well, it's at Harwood. The uh, the sugar mill and the little township is Harwood, so it's called the Harwood Bridge. Uh, but it's uh, equidistant from Iluka, Yamba, and you know McLean. Really, it's built along the lines of the uh, Gateway Bridge over the Brisbane River. Yeah, it's it goes up in the air, doesn't it? All a of a sudden, way. you're dr- driving along this, yeah. and then there's this bridge goes up into the sky. It does really. It's well, it's the means the old bridge that's still being used and will continue to be in use has to be lifted up whenever boats go underneath. So that's always been a, a nuisance for travellers. So this one, they took that out of the equation and they've built it up. 30 metres above the, uh, the height of the existing bridge, so that doesn't uh, happen anymore. And how long has it, it taken for this bridge to be built, uh, Cole? How long, when did well, that start? No, well, they did it reasonably quickly. They finished six months ahead of time. It's been finished for six months, but it's the roadworks leading to and off it that uh, have been the hold-up. Not that the, it's not due to open uh, till now, so it's not late, but mm. uh, it's not opening for traffic uh, next Sunday. It's just a walk-over. But if it, as you said, uh, visitors to the area might want to do it. There's only going to be one opportunity, and they've got buses and that leaving from Yamba and from McLean and from the highway north of the bridge. But the locals actually, I hope, do know. They know all about it, but they're not getting your uh, show this morning because they're still engrossed in fires reports and things like that, but right. they know all about it. But as you said, maybe travellers would want to know about it. But uh, there's, there's shuttle buses leaving from McLean and from Yamba. So um, if they kept their, visitors kept their eyes out, they'd be able to, uh, you know, get onto one of those. There you go. You're going to walk the bridge, Cole? I'm going to ring you from the top of the bridge <laughs> about 9 o'clock next. Uh, but I, I better, I've heard a rumour that they're not allowing anyone up who's wearing togs, swimming togs, so I'll dress appropriately. <laughs> why is that? Well, why do you think? <laughs> yeah. So they're going so to jump, no, 
Sorry? They think they're going to jump off the bridge and have a swim <laughs> or something. Well, that's right, because it, it, there's no pedestrian access once the uh, the bridge is open to the I traffic. See. So you so walk th- across the old bridge. So yeah. this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, Colin. A once-in-a-lifetime, and I, I think um, you know they'll have to have a fair bit of personnel and logistics so all organised for it to be happening. So, yeah, it's a good, good opportunity. All but right. I'll ring you next week from the top of the bridge. From the top of the bridge. All right. Yeah. How's things okay. in Iluka, mate? Well, pretty smoky, actually. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, they've got fires just north of us around Lismore, Nimbin, and there's fires to the south around uh, Coots Crossing and uh, Grafton. So, um, yeah, it's pretty smoky. Yeah. All right. Good on you, Cole. I'll talk, right. to, you, talk to you next, next Sunday. Next week. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Bye. I had a note on Facebook the other day from a mate of mine, Lucas. There's something about his brother, Corey, Corey Brand, who said... Um, He's just been on that rally. I don't like to keep saying it. I'll say it once. The shitbox rally, which is re- re- talks about, you know, everybody describes an old bomb car that way. Anyway, um, and we, when we were in uh, the uh, Willie Smith's, was it Willie Smith's Apple Shed, Cal? In, uh, in Tassie. Earlier this year, we did a program down there from the Apple Shed. Sorry, I've been running. Um, up and down the corridor here. And uh, we met a couple of people who were going on that rally. Um, Corey probably met them. He's uh, here in the studio. Good morning, Corey. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Yourself? Good. You're a city boy. Correct. Um, is this the first time you've been on on one of these sort of rallies? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's lots of rallies. So, you know, the, there's the Outback Rally and there's the, I think, the Burke Police Rally and there's the RFDS Rally and there's the Variety Club Rally. There's lots of lots and lots of rallies. How come you went on this? Uh, it was a it was the tenth year. Uh, special, I guess, of yeah. them of them doing it. Yeah. Um, and next year is the tenth year of me losing mum to cancer. Uh-huh. So when I applied for it, I thought if there was going to be something that I'm going to do, it's going to be a to help the cancer council that helped us. Yeah. And probably get a, a bit of an adventure out of it as well. Yeah. There you go. So what was it like? Where did where did it, where did it start from, and where did it finish? Uh, Melbourne to Townsville. Yeah. Via Birdsville. And was it good? Best thing I've ever done. Really? By far. Yeah. Then the thing that uh, took my eye uh, that um, um, it says on on my Facebook when we were in Tanbar, which is part of the Barku area of Queensland, sixty seven thousand square meters or kilometers kilometers of nothing, and a population of two hundred and sixty seven. Tell us what happened. You're you're driving along in your in your. In your bomb, yeah. (laughs) We're driving along, middle of nowhere. Uh, This particular morning, I was actually suffering from heat stroke. Um, Was it a warm day? uh, It was a light 43 (laughs) um, with a humidity of... He's a city boy, kids. Yeah, humidity of 10,000. And, of course, the car we were in, the air con died (laughs) on the way to the rally. (laughs) And then on the first day of the rally, the window regulator died, so the passenger just sits in immense Thailand heat. Right. Did um, you have is it what sort of car was it? Uh it was a mate it was a supercar. It was a AU Falcon. Did did it have court events? You can't remember. No, you had to you had to lean <coughs> over the back of your seat and wind down the windows oh, right. because the power were front only. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Yep. Um so yeah. you're driving along it's 40 Yeah, 42 sorry. degrees. I had to jump out of a car, get into another uh a crappy car mm. and um with aircon mm. because I was literally dying mm. and overcame the radio 
Um, does anybody have the channel code for wires or the RSPCA? And everyone's going, oh, why? And they're like, uh, we have an eagle on the roof. And everyone thought, you know, like, yeah, right. Like, look where we are. There's yeah. nothing. nothing. Pull up to the car. As we're driving past, pull up. And literally, here is this eagle standing on the bonnet. A big, it was big wedge sale, obviously. Oh yeah, like massive. Mm. I've just got this. I've got this because this book came in the other day called Wedge Tail Eagles of Mile Park. Look at that, beautiful birds, beautiful birds. But this one was obviously in distress, was it? Yeah, I think it was in about as much distress as I was. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of people over the CB were saying, "What do we do? What do we do?" And I jokingly said, "You know, it's you know if the if the birds are." falling out of the sky, it's probably too hot. Yeah. Um, I said, you know, if you've got any sort of food or water, let's see if it'll take it. Yeah. Um, and this was probably the most mind-boggling thing I've ever seen was a guy in our group literally just being up close and personal with this eagle, giving it a drink of water. Oh. most amazing thing, you, you'll never see it again because yeah. literally if anyone goes through Baku, you literally see nothing. It's a, lo- it's a lovely photo you you sent to. We'll try and put it up on our Facebook. It's- yeah, it was part of our group that did it. Um, and then fortunately enough, because with the rally, 250 cars go and it's usually maybe six or seven cars per group. Mm. And then the next group that came through, one happened to be a vet um, and she actually ended up knowing how to... Um, you know, grab it and feed it, and she actually ended up chewing food and it, feeding it through a straw. Actually, it mm. was um, quite remarkable. So it turned out it was actually a baby, baby eagle, mm. which was still the size of the yeah. AU falcon. Yeah, um, massive bird. But to be that up close and personal with an animal that you would only ever see from probably a kilometre away, or in a book, or in a book, yeah. um, was was truly special by far. Yeah, isn't that lovely? A lovely thing. So it was, uh, it was all right uh, in the end. I reckon. Bit of food, bit of water, and it looked like it was, you know, probably surprised to see humans out that way and ask for help on the outer bar too. <laughs> yeah, uh, Corey. Um, yeah, thanks. We'll put that up on our, our Facebook. So, and you love the rally. Oh, it is. It's a hard, it's no, it's no far, uh, oh, what would you say, an easy drive when mm. 85% of it is off-beaten corrugated yeah. roads yeah. that clap out your suspension pretty quick if, yeah. it, if it wasn't already clapped out. Yeah. Um, but Had you seen much of Australia before? I've been doing bits of the coast, mm. which is all the pretty sections. <laughs> um, and then once you start getting out... Um, I would probably say about half an hour out of Melbourne from that up to uh, White Cliffs to uh, another place out to middle of nowhere. I uh, went out to Junda. Um, they're, yeah, they Pretty much didn't see a blade of green grass until about probably five minutes into Townsville, I reckon. My guest this morning is Corey Brand, who's uh, a city boy who went on his first rally. Um <laughs> I, the first time I went on a rally, it was a variety club, was yeah, exactly the same through. It had just been raining, so uh, you're going through lots of mud and getting bogged and stuff, It's uh, but you had the dust and flies. But listen, tell us what you did last night and how come. Yeah, uh, by the way, um, I met Corey because he works at Avis and I occasionally hire a car. And um, um, tell us what happened to you last night or what you did last night. Uh, so last night, uh, 
customer of mine said, you know, I should come and check out what they're doing. And I said, oh, what's that? And he said, oh, All Electric Day over at Cockatoo Island. All Electric Day? Yeah. Cockatoo so, Island's in the middle of Sydney Harbour. And yeah. so it had like... Well, not in the middle. But... Vanessa Amorossi, John Stevens, uh, John Farnham headlining, uh, James Rain. Um, so I thought, oh, yeah, sounds like a pretty good opportunity. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the... Yep. The, the ability to meet the voice would be, yeah. you know, pretty uh, pretty good bucket list uh, tick, I reckon. Yeah. So um, off I went and great venue, great concert. Um, and then about five minutes, about 15 minutes before John Farnham was due to arrive and, and turn up, uh, I thought, oh, this seems like a pretty good idea to go to the toilet and mm. come back out and security goes, oh, who are you? Security, yeah. Yeah, I said, I'm... I'm Corey. Corey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and he's like, who are you here with? I said, oh, the production crew in, invited me to come down. He goes, well, I don't, I don't see them here anymore. They've left. I said, well, they said that it was okay to just chill back here and, you know, have a bit of a... So lot, lots of security. No, just one bloke. <laughs> um, at that point, he proceeded to say, well, I don't know who you are, so you better go back outside and give me a pass. So the... Uh, I got to see John on the other side of the fence. Um, <laughs> Big crowd there, a lot of people. Packed. Yeah. Packed. Uh, he's still got it, the voice. He can st- <laughs> still sing. He, can t- he belts it out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, getting off the island, that's a, uh, that's a whole other experience. Yes, I'll bet. I'll bet. But worthwhile doing. And, uh, yeah, it would be nice to be on the... On the rally, mate, and the eagle. I'll put that photo up. It's a it's a wonderful photo, and they're, they're it's a bit they're a bit like um your experience on the water with a whale. They're a big bird and they're beautiful. A two meter win, wingspan and massive. They're a wonderful thing, wonderful, wonderful um, bird. But um, yeah, thanks for sharing that with us, and I'll put the photo up. Not a problem. Good on you, Corey. Thanks, mate. G'day, this is Macca. Sorry, Macca, this is Robin calling from Sutton, South London. I wasn't sure that it had gone very quiet on the phone, but good evening from rather wet but rather cool South London. I just wanted to say that everyone experiencing the terrible problems that Queensland and New South Wales are, we're thinking of you here in the UK. It is our bonfire night, and we are aware of what the risk of fire, but we're sending and praying for rain for you all. Oh, that's very nice of you, Rob. That's very nice. You're, you're a long-time uh, resident of London, by the sounds of things. I, yes, I was born four miles from here in Epsom, near the race course, but I'm 47 years old. I'm now a devotee of ABC Radio Sydney, <laughs> because when I first put my feet on Kingsford Smith soil, 1990, when I was 18, I fell in love. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and you're back in London. You haven't been tempted to come and live here, Rob. No, last time I was with you was 2011. Went to Townsville to see a certain cold chisel who I fell in love with in 1992. <laughs> I might be coming back because I think the boys are back together again. Yeah, that's right. They are. They're doing a, they're doing a tour. <laughs> but I'm a long-time Barnsley fan. Sadly, Steve Precious is no longer with us. God rest his soul. But I think I might be flying out to Townsville or even Sydney. I think doing K-San in Sydney on my lungs burning out would be absolutely fantastic. I'll say, I'll say. All right, Rob, well, uh, your thoughts are very, it's a, it's a tough time here, but people all over the world have tough times. It's nice to know you're listening and, and that you're in sympathy with the rest of us. Mate, God bless you all. Good on you, mate. Bye-bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. 
Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.